0: Over the next several weeks, we're going to take a look at some of the miracles of Christ that are recorded in Mark chapter 5 through 7. The miracles in the Bible have a number of functions. For one thing, they show us in no uncertain terms that Jesus Christ is indeed who He said He is. He is the one Son of God, the one Savior, the one Lord, the one Messiah, the one who takes our sins, the one who is resurrected from the grave. And the miracles show us that truth in such a profound fashion. They display the power of Christ. We don't serve a Christ who's unable to do the things that we need Him to do. We serve a Christ who has all power and all authority. But also within the miracles, there are wonderful lessons of faith. And that's where we're going to be focusing over the next few weeks. Within the, these particular miracles, there are ingredients that God has given to us for the victory that He wants you to experience in your life day by day. We're going to discover what those ingredients are, and we're going to see how Christ has revealed to us the ways that we can experience His victory every day. This morning, we're going to first focus in Mark chapter 5. We're going to start reading in verse 16. You've probably heard the old phrase, when pigs fly, usually said, when you think something isn't going to happen, like, uh, I'll do that when pigs fly. In other words, I don't plan to ever do it at all. Now, that phrase actually goes way, way back in the English language, at least to the 1600s. It appeared in 1616 in an English dictionary. Other animals have appeared in that phrase throughout the years, like when snails fly or when cows fly. But pigs have been the winner, and now they have become that part of our vocabulary when we just don't think something is going to happen. Now, that phrase isn't here in Mark chapter 5, but in one of the strangest miracles done by our Lord, we find this axiom to be true. The situation starts really strange with Jesus being approached by a crazy man, a man possessed by demons. And as the story unfolds, Jesus releases this man from the demons, and the demons enter into a herd of pigs who then jump off a cliff, proving the axiom that pigs don't fly. Now, the reactions to this particular miracle are even stranger than the miracle itself. The townspeople who hear about Jesus' ability to heal this man they thought could never be healed, run him out of town. And then even stranger, this man who was healed goes to Jesus and begs to go with the Lord. And Jesus tells him, no, what's going on here? Why is this story in the Bible? Well, it's here because we need this particular lesson. No, we don't need to know that pigs don't fly. We, we know that one. But what we desperately need to understand is that our reaction to Jesus really matters. You see, there are some who think the pigs are more important. Jesus had gone across the Sea of Galilee, arrives in a region uh, called the Gerasenes. It's also sometimes called the Gadarenes. It's located on the southeast side of the sea. And when he gets out of the boat, he's met with this horrific sight of a demon-possessed man rushing at him from out of the cemetery. That's where this man lived because that's where the townspeople had sent him. No wonder, I'm guessing, most of us wouldn't want him for a neighbor either. According to verses 4 and 5, he would spend each day crying out, cutting himself with stones. The the town tried to chain him up so he wouldn't hurt himself or anybody else. But even that didn't work. He he broke right out of the chains. And so finally they, they send him to go live with the dead people. They probably assumed those folks wouldn't mind all the noise he was making. And he couldn't hurt them. Jesus has a different reaction. This man runs to Christ and falls at his feet pleading for mercy. And Jesus commands the demons to come out. And as it turns out, there wasn't just one demon. There was a whole legion of demons within this man. And they begin to beg Jesus to allow them to go into a herd of pigs that was nearby. Jesus agrees. These demons go into the pigs. The pigs promptly run off the side of a cliff and drown. These apparently weren't the smartest demons that had ever been around the block. Maybe they graduated last in their class. I don't know. So how do the townspeople react to this extraordinary transformation of this man? They thought no one could ever help. And now was completely in his right mind. How do they react? By ignoring the man completely. Instead of celebrating this miracle, they decide to get rid of the miracle worker. This whole thing was just too strange, just too weird. And besides, Jesus had killed off all their pigs. So they tell Jesus to get out of town. In verse 16, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. It's a little like the pest control guy who came to my house when I was growing up with a house in Texas. That it was built around a huge oak tree. It was a wonderful tree. Uh, added shade in the summer. It protected the house in, in the winter. But it had one negative attribute. It was an attractive habitat for bugs. And sometimes those bugs would move from the tree into our home. And so we had this pest guy out to see what we could do about it. And after he listened to my mom and dad explain the problem, he said, Well, you could cut down the tree. Well, that wasn't really an option, so he smiled and said, well, you could burn down your house. <laughs> well, that would solve the bug problem, but the house was kind of the thing we were trying to preserve. And eventually this pest guy got out all his sarcasm, and he finally uh, arrived at a solution for something that could help us. Well, this the townspeople of the story of Mark chapter 5, they were making... That very same mistake, their solution to deal with their problem was to get rid of Jesus. He'd already proven he was the only one who could solve their problems. He'd healed this man in a situation they thought was impossible. Far too many make exactly this same mistake today. Life starts to get difficult. And they push God away. Even believers can do this sometimes. Life starts to get a little bit hard. Things start going the wrong way. They stop going to church. Now, not the church has the power to change the situation. Not the church has that kind of authority. But we worship the one here who does have the power to change the situation. Who does have that authority. You see, this is Satan's great deception. That to find happiness, to find contentment, to find solution in our life, we need to turn away from God when that's the exact thing that we need the most. Not everyone, though, reacts the way the townspeople did. Some people do something else. Some people do what the man did. Some people make the choice to follow Jesus no matter the cost. All the townspeople wanted Jesus to leave but not the man who was healed. Instead of begging for Jesus to go, he begs to go with Jesus. Mark chapter 5, verse 18, and as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Wait a minute. Didn't this guy do the right thing? He wants to be with Jesus. Isn't that what he should have wanted? And Jesus won't let him. What's going on? Well, it's not that this guy had done the wrong thing. In fact, there's nothing better that any of us could want than to be with Jesus. It's just that Jesus had something even better in mind. He said, you want to be with me? Why don't you go bring a few of your family and friends with you? He sends him back to town to tell his family and friends what Jesus had done for him. Now, realize town was the last place this guy wanted to go. These were the people who tied him up in chains. These were the people who were so generous to allow him to go out and live in their cemetery. These were the people who thought their pigs were more important than he was. And this was where Jesus wanted him to go. These were the people that Jesus wanted him to talk to? Yep. It was the last place this guy would want to go, but it was the place where his testimony for Christ would be the most powerful. Seeing this man there before them in his right mind, sharing with them how that happened would be proof that Jesus was in fact who he said that he was. Now, that didn't make it any easier for the man to go, but it did make it essential for him to go. And when he does go, he becomes what very well may be the very first missionary that Jesus sends out. And the impact of his witness was quick and powerful in verse 20. So the man went away, and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This man's hometown was one of a, a group of 10 Cities that were known as the Decapolis. You see, when this man goes to his hometown, he starts talking to his family. That word began to spread, not just in his hometown. It spread to the surrounding communities until everybody was talking about what had happened. Everybody was talking about Jesus. You see, that's what happens when we choose to follow Christ at all costs. Sometimes that means going to places that we may not really want to go. Sometimes that means talking to some people that we may be saying, well, Lord, that's not the folks I want to talk to. But that's the incredible thing about the Gospel. Sometimes we think... It's too difficult. Sometimes we think it's too hard to spread the gospel. We come up with all kinds of excuses of why we can't do it. We haven't been to seminary. We haven't taken the seminar. We haven't done the evangelism training. Now, all that's great. Nothing wrong with seminary. Nothing wrong with evangelism training. Nothing wrong with any of those things. They're wonderful. They're very helpful. They're very good. But let me tell you something. If you know Jesus this morning, you have everything you need. Everything you need. To tell your friends and family what Jesus did for you. And when we make that choice, when we decide, okay, Jesus, whatever the cost, I'm going to follow you. People start talking. That spreads. Not just in our family, not just in our friends, not just in our community. It spreads around the world. Once we make the choice, I'm going to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. Heavenly Father, help us this morning. As we see the miracles that you have done, we're amazed. What we need to understand is that you're still doing those miracles. We might be tempted to think, hey, I don't have the the extraordinary testimony this man has. I have been delivered from a legion of demons. I wasn't living out in the cemetery. I wasn't cutting myself and yelling and screaming and all of a sudden something transformed me. I don't have that powerful of a word. God, help us understand when we receive Christ, what you do in our life is just as miraculous as what you did in that man's life. And the story that we have to tell is just as powerful as the story he had to tell. Because you have made us new, just like you made that man new. God, help us realize that. And help us make that choice that we're going to follow you, whatever the cost. Heavenly Father, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.